CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week, fresh off his PGA show experience, is one Mr. Josh Babbitt. Joshua, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here this week. We have a good show, and I'm hopped up on caffeine and Zycam. <laughs> I don't even know how to start with that. Uh, I do agree it's a good show because there's there's quite a few hot-button items worth talking about this week. Um, we're recording on a Wednesday, which means there's a brand-new PGA Tour enterprise we can dive into. Yeah. Uh, but But I want to, before we even get into that, I want to focus on your experience last week, which was at the PGA show and just give everyone an idea what you saw this year and we can go sure. from there. Um, at 15th show in a row. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's kind of nuts. Um, you know, the PGA show, what it started at and what it is today are very different. It started as a place for companies to launch their equipment to the world. The internet has changed that. Release dates have changed that. Now it's more of a getting together of minds and discussing what products are available, at least from the media standpoint. Obviously, there's buyers there and it's half apparel and things like that. But the show was better this year than I think it had been in a couple of years past, especially on day one. Quite crowded, quite enthusiastic. Booths were crowded. Um, I saw probably the coolest thing I've ever seen at the PGA show done, and that was at the Callaway booth this year, that mimic of the vegas sphere that they did with the chrome tour golf ball was awesome best thing i've seen in show history probably as far as displays go uh some products stood out but you know one of the things i wanted to mention is every year there's a category that kind of gets elevated with 25 new brands and all these booths popping up uh last year it was tumblers i bet there were a hundred tumbler companies last year this year, definitely rangefinders. So you all you already had your big brands that most people have heard about. And then you had all these, I'll call them Amazon brands for lack of a better term, that also had booths set up. And you couldn't walk 10 feet down an aisle without seeing another rangefinder brand. And I found that pretty interesting. Um, but the show is different for different people, you know, and for some people, it's about shooting video coverage. We've been there in the past done uh, and done that. Um, for others, it's about meeting of minds and, and learning and, and sharing. And that's what we do tech typically. Um, and it was a really strong show that I thought with both launches from equipment companies being strong this year, as well as an enthusiastic crowd really into wanting to see what was next. So I think one of the interesting pieces of the show that I get is every year people are either focused on one thing or confused on what the show really represents. And we see it. There's a, the thread that pops up on THB each year. You bring the show to our door effectively showing, showcasing new products and, uh, sharing some familiar faces with the, the the community and and i see these interesting questions like uh can you buy stuff and um you know what's what's different or new um but i i think the way that you present it is is fair that there are different reasons to go to the pga show a lot of it's uh golf courses sending people for purchasing to fill up the pro shop all year um when it comes to the equipment side of things, do you like the idea that they've shifted away from release? I would assume from our end, it's a lot easier because we have more control on on uh, sharing that product with people in a less chaotic manner. But what about just being there? Is it is it less exciting for you now that they don't have releases just jumping off? Um, I wouldn't say less exciting because, as you mentioned, when it is launch day, and this year was really no different the tuesday of the pga show which is technically demo day there were nine new articles that went up on our website all with a new release from bridgestone golf balls to you know every everything under the sun because people still there are companies that are a little hard-coded with their message of that's when you launch a product but 
I do find it more refreshing that it's you can expand on that knowledge and share that information better when the product's already been out rather than trying to play beat the clock at 9 a.m. or 8.30 whenever the show doors open um, to do that. So I think for me, it this sounds horrible, but it's a job and it's part of my job and it's not a glamorous thing. Going to the PGA show isn't glamorous like it would be for a shopper if it was open to selling goods. It's a job to see the people that we work with and cover the the brands and the products to the best of our ability to our audience. And then bring home whatever fresh disease is shared on the show. Yeah, floor. it wouldn't be PGA show without leaving with the plague. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think it's interesting because I remember my first year there, we had, I had had these sidebar conversations with some really smart people uh, it, to a point where I think I sat back and said, I, I don't belong here <laughs> a couple times. Uh, but we got some of the discussions on video and and shared it. Now, I, I know personally that the discussions that are had there in some cases are locked behind the realities of an NDA and the understanding that the things that are said, some of it can't be repeated. But every once in a while, we get a little tidbit from the show that that really forces people to start thinking not only of mm-hmm. uh, challenging the concepts that are in play right now, but also sort of celebrating it. You brought something up this year that I thought was really interesting. Someone had mentioned, made a mention about MOI, uh, and it definitely got THPers intrigued, I'll say. <laughs> a very mixed perspective on that. You shared that on the forum with the idea of, I'm assuming, exploring that idea. Uh, and, Correct. and tell me tell me why you think it's fun or, or interesting to bring some of that content to the forum. Um, to share, to to dive into this one, let me go back a few years when uh, I, I want to say I'm going off memory here and I didn't know this was going to be a big topic, but let me share that uh, when SLDR came out for TaylorMade Golf, they were still at the show at the time and it was about moving weight forward and everything was about you move the weight forward it lowers spin and makes the club it makes the ball speed faster and things like that and that was all great and i made a mention in that live coverage during that year that just so people understand that doing so also makes a club less forgiving and i remember there were some people who got very angry about that statement and it's not a hidden fact or anything everybody kind of knows that now as companies have evolved into putting out multiple models and usually the LS model or triple diamond or whatever it is, is usually a weight forward design that's faster and it's going to be less forgiving. And that kind of evolves to each year. We, you know, we're very fortunate and in a lot of ways it's humbling to be able to spend time with some of the smartest people in the world of golf and over the course of one of those conversations over a drink, we were talking about MOI. I know it's it's invigorating conversation for those people who don't care about golf equipment, but sharing a drink and talking about MOI and, and clubhead forgiveness. And I asked a question about, you know, as drivers have gotten bigger and we were talking about squaring of club face and things like that, there was a nugget mentioned to me that said, you know, as you increase MOI, in some ways, it can become harder to square a club face. And I I wrote that on the forum. And of course, people had a similar reaction that they had when I posted the uh, stuff about unforgiving and moving weight forward. But in this case, it's, it's it's how it is created, meaning how the application is done with weight that makes the club head still square, still able to be squared. So we have multiple drivers now that are being marketed at 10K driver forgiveness. And every, most people who follow this podcast, as well as those that are following our forum, understand that MOI is maxed out laterally by you know the governing body. And the measurement is in some way mar- marketing and in some ways reality. But if you were to, t- you anybody could make a super forgiving driver. I should say anybody, I'm doing finger quotes, but uh, you make it larger. And obviously things like this tend to happen. But as you expand on size, depending on where weight is placed, you also have to keep in mind how squaring the driver plays a role because keeping something stable and forgiving, for lack of a better term, 
doesn't always work when the club head can't be squared to path. So going back to this, and I'm making this as long-winded as possible for those following along, depending on how the application is done, something expanding, and I don't mean in size, the forgiveness side of things can also make it harder to square. Usually it's in relation of where the weight is placed towards the heel. That's the number one thing. Um, but And, I, and I'm going to do a, a full story on this at some point or a full podcast on this because it's a fascinating conversation that I had with four different engineers at four different companies, one of which is making a current 10K model. And they all agree that it is a challenging aspect that when you get to so much forgiveness in at least in a number, that 10K number, you can make it, you can make something a little harder to square based on size and where the weight is placed. Does that make sense or did I ramble too much? No, I think, I think it does. And you see the, the hyper focus on drivers in 2023 and 2024 now that we're actually in a different year. Uh, despite my brain hanging out in 23 uh, you you see the intent and the how critical they are about where they put their weighting and I, and i assume that the more you expand into the perimeter the more impactful that will be in in the actual swing and could be yes uh, could be yeah and and i think it's fascinating that folks have or take issue with the idea that there could be a challenge there because I've hit different clubs and it's not necessarily the club's bad, but you know, same level of skill golfer with a slightly different swing than another guy, you'll find a, a head that works for you better. And it's Without just sort of reality. And there, there's some situations where I've put a product in play that works great for a lot of people, but for me, my swing, it's like, I just can't make this work. And, and I firmly believe that, some of these play a role, uh, whether whether it's as extreme as being mentioned or being argued uh, on the Internet, as, uh, is, I guess, uh, remains to be seen. But, you know, I, I think there should be an understanding that there is a challenge to these things. We, and, and especially when we when we get closer to the max, I think SLDR is a nice example because they hammered it forward and they hammered it down. Uh, and for some folks, it was amazing. I love that driver, including the 430. But you go into those extremes, you're inevitably going to lose something somewhere. And correct, and I, I think it's unrealistic to assume that companies won't attempt it and and possibly fail in some ways while trying to achieve something else. I think that's realistic, uh, of course. And I'm going to expand on yeah, something yeah, you please do. said which is, you know, there's there's a give and take with every part of this. And I'll use yep. golf balls as an example. We heard all these people talking about how a, a, a soft golf ball is slower than a fast golf ball. And yes, in a technical sense, that's true. But there's give and take there when it comes to distance. Otherwise, we would be, these companies, and I say the term we as, uh, as an industry we, there would just be an arms race to the firmest ball possible if that was the only thing that mattered. But there's a give and take of when you do that, other things happen. And people rarely talk about forgiveness in golf balls, but one of the things that happens with a golf ball is to compress a golf ball properly, and most people can do that on the most violent swing, but not always when you get to you know a scoring club or even middle iron. When you, a firmer ball, if you miss it and you don't have a lot of speed going through it, more spin is going to take place. So there's this triangle, triad, triangle of sorts of launch angle, speed, and spin that are going to create distance. And those are very generalization type of terms. And the same thing is happening with a driver. You have to create speed while also creating forgiveness. And forgiveness can happen a lot of different ways. People talk about MOI and it's a buzzword right now. And it's, I'm not minimalizing it in any way. It's important. But there are multiple ways to create forgiveness. Part of that is face design, which was never really done before a couple of years ago. Other parts are weight placement and how to create that speed and spin uh, and work within MOI. And the other part is squaring of the club face and making a, a club that's easier to square. And then the final piece that is the hardest to show would be aerodynamics and where you can create something that just naturally moves faster and becomes easier to square different things in space 
Yeah, I remember TaylorMade benchmarking 17 degrees at 1700 RPMs of spin and everyone going, yeah, that'd be nice, I guess. <laughs> but the idea of a perfectly optimal product is not going to exist when none of our swings are perfectly optimal. Um, but I, I am yeah, and different. I, I have two questions to go off this. And, and I think both are going to present a pretty interesting answer from you. The first being that, do you think it's challenging for companies to focus on their marketing? Because you mentioned 10K, like everyone's chasing 10K, obviously, that, that's a component of it. Everyone's, I actually don't think everybody's chasing 10K. Okay, everyone's chasing a lot of MOI, uh, forgiveness in their driver heads. Just as a lot of companies are, I think this is a good example because not a lot of people are talking about it, but aerodynamics, it's not super common. I think Cobra is probably the most common willingly talking about aerodynamics and it makes sense because one of the guys involved used to design airplanes. So it, do you think it's a challenge for companies to pick what they really want to lean on year over year? I do. And I'll, I'll dive into the aerodynamic discussion and I'll make this brief. If you go into a, a hitting bay, let's say you walk into your local Dick Sporting Goods, you being Canadan here, and you pick up a couple of drivers and you bring them to the bay and you hit one. Let's say you hit the new Ping G430. You hit it, it goes straight. You're in the fairway. Great. You then pick up the Cobra Club uh, LS and you hit it. It goes straight and you swing it faster. Is your first assumption that it's aerodynamics or is your first assumption that you warmed up more? <laughs> Am I talking on the internet or to the person in the bay with me? Either one. <laughs> well, the assumption is I'm warmed up. Yeah. And so I think that aerodynamics, despite being incredibly important, are hard to, I don't want to say understand because I think most people generally understand how important they are, but they're hard to show that it's actually taking place because every swing is different and we're not living inside a vacuum. So when it comes to products, I, I think that's the way it is. There will always be a give and take and forgiveness right now is being labeled as MOI. And I actually think it's, it's doing a uh, disservice in some ways to golfers and every company is guilty of it to some degree. I'd like to see more discussion on face forgiveness and uh, speed and spin consistency than I would be on stability. Consistency is something I think that is woefully understated in something like a driver. Especially with how good some of the companies are doing it. Yeah. Uh, but I think distance was the big story for a long time. And they're trying to find ways to... to separate from that logic and move into something just as interesting. And I don't, I don't know that consistency is a story. I, I sat through a, a presentation by Callaway where they spent a ton of time talking about how consistent their AI technology is supporting the results that are, are being produced on the face, just the AI face. And it's like, man, like what a story this is. And now you have uh, these other components to it. Like, I'm surprised that that's not being talked about more because consistency is a miss for a lot of people. Yeah, I think uh, you're, that will change in the future as we see what products shake out. You know what, which thing, what happens, and with different companies and how successful they are with different products. I want to before we jump off the PGA show. I want to talk about a couple of winners. That, okay. No, we'll, we'll come um, back to that because I have one more question for you. Okay, we'll come go back for to it. That. So the other thing I've been thinking about a lot is how companies tend to go all in on a concept uh, and are completely willing, despite the fact that the industry is constantly circulating and it's not like the same people are there for you know 20 years. Someone says something in a company, there's a chance they might not be there in five years. So it's not like the company has to commit to that. But there's... There seems to be every once in a while a statement saying like, we're never going to go back to this or we're never going to use this in our drivers or, um, you know, ideas like that where it seems like they're painting themselves into a corner. And if they step away from that, they're going to get roasted for it. What do you think about the decision to make claims like that? And do you think it's good or bad for that company? I think it depends on context. 
And I'll use an example. Taylor made has said we won't make a steel, you know, use metal in the face again. You know, they're carbon fiber in their face. Well, technically, that's not true. They actually make other drivers and box sets and things like that that have steel faces. Um, Callaway did it with jailbreak. Mm-hmm. And they've gone away from that. Now, when depending on how it evolves is really the better understanding. Callaway didn't go away from the idea of jailbreak. They found a better way to do it and still save weight. TaylorMade may go away from carbon fiber in the face at some point. Who knows? When they, I mean, they have, like I said, in other products. I don't necessarily think they would do it to, quote, save money or anything like that. They would because they found a better application to create with. Um So it really depends on the context. I don't love bold claims like that, but at the same time, I kind of understand them. It is messaging and marketing. Um, My biggest messaging beef right now is with the term AI and companies are going out and outsourcing to have a graphic done with artificial intelligence and saying their, their driver was designed with AI rather than, you know, actual applications that are being done elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I the bold claims are a tough thing, but I think that acceptable depending on how you explain the next iteration. So one of the things I thought about while trying to make my own perspective on that was I feel like it's fair to say that we as golfers or consumers should look at that as a very in the now concept. Is they're all in on their concepts now and to respect the idea that metals change materials change um technology changes and there's no reason why we should expect them to focus purely on one thing they said five years ago if there's an opportunity to improve yeah i would agree with that completely uh i do think how they message the next part with the evolution of the product is the best thing going rather than just accept that golfers might have short memories I mean, we don't. We remember every shot we've ever hit. Make the explanation and the messaging around the evolution of the product. Yeah, I like that. There's just a better story to be told. Okay. Uh, I, I thought that was something worth putting out there because you do see a lot of that marketing and most most naysayers online just say it's all hype and all nonsense and it's the same thing every year, just told a little bit differently. Um but I, I think that's sort of discounting this whole experience, the buying experience, the product experience. Just have a little fun with it. Like, why can't it be fun to go and say, like, all right, what story are they telling this year? And can I replicate that when I go and hit the product? Yeah, that's the best part of it is when you buy a new club, the worst thing you want to hear is, oh, it's junk. It's all the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. You're... The demographic is constant. And, you know, I discuss this with thousands and thousands of golfers every day on the THP forum. I've seen the demographic. I know what they are. I know that fit in the bubble of it's all marketing person. I get it. But don't shit on somebody like that. Like (laughs) nobody wants to hear their girlfriend called fat. Yeah. You know, like let them be excited about their new club. And I think that's the best part, no matter what it is. All right, I need to hear some winners and losers. Okay, so interesting thing coming out of it is one of the things people asked about was what's the show like with the brands? Like how big is it? Is it still as big as it used to be? Notable brands not at the show. TaylorMade doesn't do the show anymore. Uh, Wilson not there this year for the first time. I think last year they were there with a small hitting bay or meeting room. Uh all the smaller brands have kind of left the show. It's really larger brands and then people coming for one year and then they're kind of out kind of thing. So um wanted to say that ahead of time. I was surprised Wilson was such a big launch this year, was not at the show. They weren't there. Um, one of the biggest winners, I just told you a little bit ago how you couldn't walk five feet without seeing a rangefinder. Well, one of them surprised us and that was the shot scope. Uh, new rangefinder they had it's hard to describe how a rangefinder is good or not you know like premium quality yes you can kind of feel that you know when you have premium materials what makes it good 
you understand that a real company is behind it, not some company that changes their name and keeps pumping them out on Amazon. But it's hard to tell durability and things like that. This thing, when you pick it up, feels substantial. It feels like it should cost three, four, five, six hundred dollars, and it comes in at the two ninety nine price point. So I was surprised that one blew me away. I thought it was the fastest rangefinder maybe I've ever used, and had every feature that one would want in a, in a laser. So that one surprised me quite a bit. The second thing that surprised me was the new Mizuno fast driver head. Um, that will be a popular head for a lot of golfers that give it a tra- chance. And it was kind of released under the radar by Mizuno. It will be their best driver head in the grouping, in my opinion. That gives them four for this lineup, and I think that that one will uh, definitely be found at stores is the best way for me to say it. Okay. Uh, Why is it that a rangefinder seems more premium the heavier it gets? (laughs) That's a good question, and I actually asked an engineer that that doesn't make rangefinders, and he said there is a mental thing that build quality gets away from plastic. That's, so yeah, okay. So when you pick up a laser and there's got some substantial heft to it, you think it's not plastic. In the shot scopes case, it's it, it does have some plastic, but there is a metal cage and everything else. Um, there were a couple of products that really surprised, but then I have to say, when the middle section of the PGA show used to be accessories and things like that. And now it's all golf carts, which for me is something near and dear to my heart, as well as pickleball courts. You know things are changing. I'm going to give a nay or a negative to the pickleball section of the PGA show, not because it wasn't well done and not because the companies weren't appreciated, but because there was not enough put into it. I don't know if it became more last minute for the booth setups or the money was tighter or whatever it was, but the PGA show itself didn't put enough behind the fact that two to three full aisles were going to be pickleball at this point. And those companies deserve some representation. Okay. How was the noise? As far as pickleball, just, it wasn't bad. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, there's so many uh, people coughing and sneezing and hacking up lungs from whatever plague they have to infect me that you couldn't hear the pickleball over it. So the naysayers for pickleball are twofold. Pickleball is stupid and there's like no logic to it and that's it. Uh, and then there's a follow-up crowd that say pickleball is really annoying uh, because of the way the balls sound when they get hit. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I used to think that way about funny. racquetball. Um, <laughs> at the same time, it is here to stay and it is not going anywhere and it's going to be huge. I love how things like this pop up and I get it, man. I, I, I hated Frisbee golf from the get go, mostly because they stole our name, but it, it's not like it called it pickle golf. So I'm not mad about it. Uh, but it, it's funny how upset people get at something they're not involved in at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's this, the internet, it's raising the fist to the sky. And, oh, can we do this? Know. Can we just segue straight into the sky fister segment? Shh. I'm glad that this word has taken on a life of its own when I coined <laughs> it during an episode of a podcast. Hey, old man yells at Sky. I'll only ever think of that Simpsons episode uh, or a cloud, whatever it is. So there was a thread that started on THP this week, uh, and it has a very, very split perspective. And it has to do with if you hit a golf ball and break a window in a house, should you pay for it? Yes. And I am no. Yes, I saw the threat. Not um, and I'm I'm blown away at how strongly people feel on both sides of the fence. Yeah, what's your take on all this? So I've actually done this. Both hit a window and broke it, and been the recipient recipient of a broken window uh, when I lived on the golf course. So I've I've seen both sides. Um, I'm not as strong feeling on it as other people are, but you know, it's the internet and old man raises fisted sky kind of thing. Um, to me, it's common decency that if I break something, I'm going to pay for it. And the argument of, 
well, you know, they shouldn't build a house there. Well, you then don't hit a driver if you can't control it. Hit a seven iron or don't play the hole. You know, like there's choices that be, can be made on both sides. I'm just a, if I, it reminds me of the person with the, okay. There's this saying that you can judge everything about a person or learn everything about a person by if they put a shopping cart back after using it at the grocery store in the parking lot. Or are they the person who just puts it in front of their car or up on the curb or whatever? And you can learn everything you need to know about a person. In some ways, this is a good direct parallel to that. Okay. So segue on the segue. What if you're the type of person that goes to the grocery store and refuses to get a cart? Your, your, I mean, goal, your goal is to leave there with as I much... I should probably as, call the police on that person because they're obviously a sociopath. As much stuff as you can without using a cart. A cart. That was my That's college. That was my college rule. I'd go to the Walmart and I would buy whatever I could carry without just to like save money. <laughs> I'm sure that worked out well for you. It, it did not. Um, um, but yeah, where so, do you stand? If you hit a window, do you pay for it? Well, that's that's what I think is really interesting on on my end because I've always looked at it on the decency side of things, and that you know, first of all, I'm terrified of the golf gods. I, I would never do anything on the golf course with the idea that they could come and get me. So I feel like smashing someone's window with an errant drive. I, I feel like the onus is on the player to at least make an attempt to make things right. Um, and, and that's not to say that you're at the mercy of whatever they tell you. If they come of course not. And, and message you and be like, Hey, it's 10 grand. No, I, I think at that point we're starting to have a discussion of what exactly is going on here. But you know, to to exchange exchange numbers and try and make it right, I think is the most acceptable outcome. Um, I'm, right. I'm, I and you know, I'll say I understand the legality side of it, which is you know, in some areas that when you do that or you build a house there or buy a house there, that your homeowners insurance or association are going to be at at risk. With that said, I always say take house, the word house out of the equation <laughs> and put person. Are you just going to walk away and be like, should have been standing there? You know, let's say I hook a ball off the planet. I've been known to do that. And I hit a person. Does me just yelling for despite them laying there in a, in a pool of blood be like, oh, yep. Should have been on that green three holes, three fairways over. Uh, yeah, I, there's there's a common decency part to it. Uh, yeah, I think there's a component. The driving down the road adjacent to and having a window hit uh, is an interesting argument as well. Uh, even though you're you're making the I choice to on that road, man. Well, someone said you're making a choice to to live on that property, but at the same time, you're making a choice to drive down that road that you know a golf course is on, et cetera, et cetera. Like there are so many weird examples, and and I think the one thing that I thought was most fascinating was. The idea that whatever the law says, I'm in the right by doing whatever the law says. And it's not just that sounds kind of weird because that's like, a, should I shoot this person type of argument? <laughs> but it's not really like that. My thought is just because the law says you're not liable for it doesn't mean that as a human, you shouldn't do the right thing. I don't I think I don't think it exempts you from that is what I'm so trying to say. I, I'm going to share a story that's a weird parallel to what you just said and very sad. Okay. Um, I live in a neighborhood that is predominantly can, golf. Can we hang on a second? It's sure. still January right now. Okay. Yeah. M my emotional stability is pretty low here, so don't make me well, sad. Right. Okay. I can't help you with that. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. I live in a neighborhood that travel is predominantly fifty-fifty between golf cart and vehicle and okay. regular car. People drive their kids to school in a golf cart. Kids are using, and we have, you know, paths and everything. But when you get into the neighborhoods, you golf carts are on the road with people. Well, a gentleman was driving home from work and was turning into his neighborhood in his car. And a young girl on a golf cart, he struck them head on. And that girl survived barely. Um, and she's in for a world of long-term necessary needs uh that are going to go through now that person was originally crucified obviously you could imagine oh my god he must have been on his phone blah 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 turned out he did nothing wrong he turned in the young girl was on her cell phone and blew right through a stop sign on her golf cart and hit the car 
Now, that person who was driving the car is obviously not in any situation to where they need to pay for anything or deal with anything. They did nothing wrong. But you know, as a decent human, it's eating them up inside because they almost killed somebody. I view it the same way. Like, even if it's I'm not liable by the law because I hit somebody three fairways over in the head and they're laying on the green trying to make a three-footer, maybe they should have sped up to be determined. Um, common decency says that I should be concerned and want to help in any way I possibly can. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, you're taking it to an, a, a heavy extreme, which yeah, I mean, people can't get over. But I think, well, and in- that's why I did it because it is such a crazy extreme that you yeah, know, old man raises fist at sky is going to say like, okay, maybe let's just take a step back. Maybe there is some nuances to the discussion. Right. Well, you know, the the other argument is if you take it to the other extreme, you spray fade your drive and it hits, I don't know, a, a, a pillar that's holding up a gazebo and it puts a very tiny little dent in the gazebo. The homeowner needs to get over that. That yeah. is pretty much a, hey, you can continue living your life without that really impacting you. I, I, I would agree. If we're going to go on both sides of it here and like get over it, I'm not replacing your pole. Um, but there is another component to this. And I think it was worth pointing out because it was discussed a little bit during the thread and, and the madness that ensued in there is that you're also not obligated to be treated like shit. So, for example, if the homeowner comes out and starts... Really? Because I feel like that's my life. Well, hear me out. You strike a house, your intent is to go over and make sure, number one, everyone's okay, and number two, uh, whether there's damages uh, that you need to support. If they come out waving a gun or waving a you know a shovel or something like that and start screaming at you yelling at you at that point i think human decency is getting thrown out the window if i would if, agree with that too if, if this person is being so unreasonable that i can't even communicate my information to them i'm going to move on yeah i i think that that's perfectly fair um it, it's it's an interesting interesting discussion but for some reason, it becomes so black and white with literally no nuance whatsoever right. um, in the discussion on the internet that it's fascinating to me. Right. Well, and and the, the other part of that is, this is where I do agree that if you live on a golf course, you should expect your property to get struck by golf balls. I, mean, I would agree. There's no reason to get mad when it happens. It's going to happen, and we just continue to move on. And, and, and I say this... From experience, not from my own property, but my family lived on a on a dog leg of a golf course for, I think, twenty years, and certainly had had windows struck. And at no point did getting angry at the person who did it solve anything. No, so I I think that there's there's some interesting aspects that are often avoided too, because that goes back to the, it's an impossible to have a nuanced conversation, which is <laughs> people are always like, well, you just, you know, that's the price you pay for living on a golf course. Just put it through your insurance. Well, depending on what state you are, you put a couple claims through your insurance, you get dropped. Yeah. So it's not as simple as just this black and white thing, but it's also, like I said, you can always replace the word house with dog. And you're immediately going to run over if you have any sort of heart and do anything you can to help. So I, I just wish it could be a more nuanced conversation rather than black and white. Any truth to the rumor that you'd be more inclined to help a dog than a person? Oh, it's 100% true. <laughs> you know, I do fear that. I, I worry about the decisions people make. Uh, and I have two thoughts on this. Number one, if you move onto a golf course uh, in a place that gets a lot of activity, don't put up a swing set or a pool. I, I think that is unbelievably cruel to everyone involved because balls will end up in there. If your kid is out playing, you should in not the live back, in Florida. They are every house. I just on think golf it's insane. Like you're basically putting your family or whomever is involved at, uh, at risk knowingly watching these balls parade in but here's the other thing here's here's my favorite story so there's a a a house that's built onto the corner of two golf holes on on my golf course both of them are within driver shot one is a pretty fady location and the other one is more of a targety fade location so the chance of it getting balls in the property from two different holes is pretty high 
and and this older lady moved in quite a few years ago and lost her damn mind anytime someone even looked in her yard for a golf ball. It was wild. She was calling cops on people for even approaching their property. And we do have a rule in our homeowners in that area that says golfers are allowed upwards of 20 feet into your property to retrieve their golf ball. So she's in the wrong. She went as far as planting entire rows of trees, like shrubs to avoid people going in there, which of course I laugh because put a, put a fence up stupid, <laughs> but you know, it, it just, the level of, stupidity it takes to be that mad while moving onto a golf course that people are in your property is unbelievable to me. I would agree with that. I do, you know, sometimes depending on where you live, you're not allowed to put up a fence. Uh, if you're on a golf course, she can, she could. Um, but one of the things that I'll, I'll always understand, I'll never understand is taking it to the other side, which is golfer hits ball off planet with a giant slice to the right and decides it's okay to go not in somebody's backyard, but up on their deck by their pool, see what they're having for breakfast because, Hey, they hit a ball there. Let it go. It was $4. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you, do you ever, well, you leave things when they are off the fairway sometimes. So I think it's an unfair comparison on to the you, fairway. but on the, yeah, well, that's true. I still say you got to put, you got to put the logos and the the website on those balls. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm curious how many people are familiar with the rules that are in place when they go play a golf course, whether they're allowed to do that. I mean, trespassing is a real thing. Yeah, it, you know, at my old club in Nashville, on the back of the scorecard, it was pretty specific. Now we only had a couple of holes that actually had any sort of homes on there, um, but it was pretty specific that you were not allowed past these certain stakes um and it was and based on where i lived in nashville i think most people would follow that rule because <laughs> it's tennessee and you, trespassing will uh earn you a different type of uh, citation so to speak well that's why the older generation has the uh, ball retrievers it's not just for the water it's for the backyards too well yeah obviously i mean if you get <laughs> it for 14 way bag ball retriever cell phone on the belt clip Oh man, I love a good angry sky fister moment with you. It's always fascinating. I, the only thing that's unfortunate is with the exception of food, we tend to agree a lot on them. Uh, well, we lean on the human decency side. So we can start debating yeah. food if you need to, but I, I'm thrilled that we're on the same page here. Yeah, I think that a lot of people um, would be on that same page as well if it wasn't on the internet and actually in real life. I, I, I genuinely believe that. I, I try to believe that more people are have this decency thing in them so uh, i don't want to continue i actually i do uh an interesting argument was made uh that if you were at a baseball diamond and you hit a foul ball and struck a window would you pay for that window my thought is are you not sort of making that decision there as well like i see those cars there i i, sh I know i probably shouldn't hit it or I probably shouldn't, you know, play here. Like there, there has to be a line. You're, you're making that decision. Right. And it's still on, on you to make it right. I think so. Um, the, the parking lot home run foul ball thing is slightly different. Um, but I think so. I, th I, my actions wouldn't change. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time when we played a golf course in Cincinnati. You were up here and a guy hit it. I think he hit the very top of the clubhouse with a golf ball in the 18th and hole. That same person hit a tent. <laughs> hit and multiple a tent. people and a car. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm just thinking like all these examples where it probably was a problem. And all these times I, I played with a guy who hit probably four house, uh, four roofs in, in 18 holes. And I don't think ever even walked over but i guess when you miss that much you're not worried about the windows you're just doing hail damage so <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> anyways let's move on that's that's awesome we will have a thread going on thp i know we've got another one talking about uh this issue but i mean by all means bring your perspective on how ridiculous or smart we are i know which way it usually leans but you know, tell us tell us we we'd like to know um Definitely. But there is one more thing I'm, I'm interested in. Well, two more things, but we're running out of time a little bit. Um, I don't know a lot about it, Josh. So you'll have to fill my, uh, give me an idea of, of what's going on here. But PGA Tour Enterprise, what 
what's going on? Well, it's a bold day for golf because the New York Mets and Boston Red Sox and Atlanta Falcons are now running golf. Um, <laughs> you know, PGA Tour Enterprises, and we, I won't do a deep dive. We'll save that for the forum, but okay. PGA Tour Enterprises, uh, new, different company. I To me, it's affection. It's effectively the death of the PGA Tour, which is so sad. And that's simplifying it quite a bit. But um, shares for players, it just seems like the haves and have-nots get further apart in this situation on the PGA Tour when the PGA Tour was so against that at the inception of Live Golf because it was you earn and you keep and you, you know, based on this i I don't know i I, i'm very curious what people's feedback is if they've read the agreement that was sent out um that this new this new creation is in existence and the commissioner is still on board which my god he's his track record is worse than a weatherman um but I want to know from everybody who's listening, what are your thoughts on PGA Tour Enterprises? Does it bring the golf world back together? Does it separate it further? I'm very curious. Okay, let's skip that one since we have a bit of time now. I, I assume you're going to go nuts. but uh... I, I want to, but I'm, I'm, I'm tempering <laughs> it because I want people's feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go to something you are familiar with, and that's just the overall quality of coverage that we have right now for golf. Um, oh, it's you... fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. Whoops use my language no it's fine we're this that's the kind of show we have here so okay great yeah (laughs) i i'm curious because i watched uh i watched the last couple weeks after taking a bit of a hiatus from watching tour golf and and i struggled to really invest uh time in it And, and that's after watching a lot of other sports baseball football and hockey i'm not really a basketball guy at this point um but I just I found it sort of unremarkable. We we saw fewer interesting names at least last week uh, based on the leaderboard. I, I was following Tony Finau a lot, um, but I just didn't feel like it was that gripping. And at one point, the the coverage changed to the LPGA Tour, and the PGA Tour shifted to another channel. And I didn't even bother changing the channel. I just started watching Nelly Corda do Nelly Corda things. So, you know what what's your perspective on that? Um, I'm going to get long winded because I tend to do that, but I'm going to start with this. You mentioned you watch these other sports, baseball, hockey, football, basketball to agree. There's a flow in sports to when the commercial break comes, when it's a stop in coverage, when there's a lull in action in golf, there's none of that in tennis. It's when the game ends and, you know, in between games, there's none of that in golf. There's they show seven strokes, then they go to another commercial. And that's one of the problems. At least on the final day, it's after the leaders hit a shot, you have that lull in the action of when they're walking to their golf ball to when they'll go to a commercial break or switch to another golfer or whatever than that. In normal golf coverage, there's literally no rhyme or reason to cutting from action. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with golf uh, coverage. The other one is it's just awful. I'm a huge golf fan, but think think about this. We turned the tour into a gelding by taking away 10 of its top 30 stars. Then we added a shit ton of tournaments to it because, well, everybody needs money. And now you still don't have a rule in place that a player has to play every tournament. So you end up with 25 to 30 events over the course of a year, I'd say 20 to 25 events over the course of the year that literally I work in golf and couldn't tell you who half the people in the tournament are. That's a real problem for coverage. Yeah. I think to your point, the golf shots almost get in the way in the, of the coverage. It doesn't seem to be the featured uh, component of it. And, and I think that's very fascinating considering every other sport, the featured experience is the actual product being played uh, some people on thp mentioned a couple ideas they had where the four uh, two foot gimmies aren't needed to be watched um that uh there needs to be more shots shown uh it surprises me josh that there's not more stationary cameras on greens or on tee boxes uh you don't even need to show where the the ball goes off the tee. All you need is the, the, um, 
like a trackman, a shot tracing software to showcase where it landed on the hole. And that's incredibly good filler in my perspective. It doesn't need to be, I mean, someone can be controlling and, and offering feedback on who it is and what hole they're on, but there's so many shots in golf that don't need commentary that don't need a lot of production that can just be that part of the, the overall experience. Don't you think? I do. I still go back to golf has no rhythm in terms of coverage compared to every other sport. So that's a big part of the dilemma. And I agree with the fact that we don't need to see a person clean up a two footer. Like nobody needs to see that until something bad happens, but <laughs> and then show it, yeah. <laughs> about golf. Have you ever noticed when they flick to a guy you haven't seen all day and he's putting from 45 feet, like, you know, he's, it's either going in or he gets eaten by an alligator. Like there's, yeah, there's no, sure. there's no reason to see Steve Wheatcroft who's plus 27 from 40 feet on 17. So it, there's there needs to be more rhythm, and we used to have that when big names were playing every week because you'd see the stars play. But without that, what are you really showing? Yeah. Well, I look at the Masters coverage every year and think about how accessible those shots are and just think about how much I enjoyed it. I'd love to just try it. And someone said it would be too challenging to accomplish. But in reality, there are plenty of... Uh, examples like espn plus has coverage from certain greens or certain groups or whatever so there's plenty of feeds that can be sent in uh to the the main controller i feel like adding a couple more wouldn't be all that challenging especially if you don't have to create all this nonsense filler in between it and then to your point uh you show some of the big shots followed by some of the more un uninteresting shots and then just throw a commercial up. Like I, I get the flow concept. It, f- golf is probably a pretty challenging sport to create flow in, but there's got to be a better way than what's currently in play. Yeah. Well, I would agree. And I, I do think that there's, there definitely is a flow problem, but he, I got news for everybody. It's not changing. Like, <laughs> it's not changing. Well, they it got is play in commercial live, right? and people are like, Oh my God, now I can actually still watch golf while the commercial's going on. They didn't take away a commercial. They just added it. Yeah. There's yeah. not less regular commercials now. They just added more commercials, but you can play through and do it separately. So and one of the things that's coverage is challenging. One of the things that shifted about some other sports is you can actually watch up to four whatever games at a time on YouTube TV. That's what we have. Um, not an ad, by the way. <laughs> you can watch four games at a time, right? So the idea at golf you can only watch one at a time. That might be an interesting thing to explore as well. Like, do we, can we have pitcher and pitcher the two footer while someone else is doing something? Uh, can we have four feeds just showcasing people hitting golf shots? Not unlike some of, some of these other examples from other sports. The most interesting dynamic about golf is for the true golf nerd, like me, you and others, how good it could be. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you could technically have a a player or all players followed. And if you chose to watch Tony Finau, you would watch Tony Finau. You would see the conversations. You would see the, the mannerisms. You would see the equipment choices. You would see everything. And you could have four golfers on your screen, and you could do this. I understand there's an expense involved with all these cameras and crew and everything else, but there there's a chance that coverage could be good. Instead, we don't get that. On Sunday, the final back nine of any tournament, you do. And that's a real shame because there's no storytelling to lead you to that. And frankly, with the events that are currently going on, nobody knows who the hell these people are anyway. So does <laughs> I'm it really glad matter if John Smith is putting for a six-footer to you know get into the top 10? No, nobody knows who the hell that is. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because you took it to the other extreme of how crazy can we make coverage? And what I'm trying to do is just sort of fill in the gap a little bit uh, between mediocre nonsense and absolutely extreme follow any player you want. So like there is a middle ground here that I think is pretty easy to find. Uh, it's just a willingness, I think, from them to actually do it. Um, and while no they're chance. at it, why don't they show a little bit of LPGA? That'd be cool too. <laughs> yeah. Well, the LPGA argument is an interesting one. And the reason I say that is because nobody watches it. Yeah. Now, well, nobody watches it because nobody knows when it's on. 
Uh, I, I got an golf. hour's worth of coverage, and I was shocked that I even saw it. I'm no apologist for Live Golf. I, I'm not a big Greg Norman guy, but Live Golf gets blasted for ratings. And yet nobody has ever said a word about the poor ratings of the LPGA for 15 years I've been doing this. So I, I don't understand these, these arguments of this, this, and this equals this. The problem is golf is very fractured, and coverage of fractured golf makes it even worse than regular coverage. I agree with that. I think I I think golf needs a reinvestment uh, from viewers, but I think we also need a reason to be reinvested. So, have you thought about this? Like every year in the other sports you mentioned, you follow, you talk about free agency and trades and things like that. And there's an excitement level around them. But have you ever watched league hardship happen simultaneously as the coverage of that happens? And then go along with the fact that the coverage is pretty much all wrong. (laughs) And what I mean by that is we are watching greed play out right in front of our eyes in the form of professional athletes. Listen, I have no bones about any of that. You do your thing. I'm not going to judge you for what you decide to do. But the coverage of that literally has every single person that's on the PGA Tour has accepted a deal with Liv and gone there for a bag of money. Yet... There's no ramifications to any of these places when they're wrong. Yeah. Oh, look, Ricky Fowler's on lip. No, he's not. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. it's over and over and over again, and that just perpetuates this divide that the the world of professional golf and I'll call it mainstream golf media have drawn a line in the sand and said, "Fans, you must decide which one you want." Instead of all you want is good coverage. Yeah, well, that's why I took my hiatus because even the PGA Tour jumped ship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, we could go on this for hours, but uh, do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap this one up? I do. It's the end of January, mm-hmm. and you always finish the show with, "Do you have any questions for me?" And you didn't ask me because you fear them. Well, I that's part of the wrap up. Is I assume you you knew that this was an opportunity for you to challenge me in whatever horrible way you need to. I want to challenge you with the aspect of last time I was on the show, we talked about getting our swings ready for the 2024 season. Okay. Are you getting yours ready? And what are you doing to get it ready? Because I think other people who are not at your skill level would like to mirror that. Yeah. I exercise this week. Walking the dog is not exercise. No, I don't do that. Are you kidding me? My wife does. <laughs> oh, I hope she listens to this. She'll love it. She um, yeah. So I think range time is going to be the story this year. January has been a challenging month. I couldn't really do anything. We had one sim sim round a couple weeks ago where I got two and three putted automatically each hole, which really pissed me off. I hit nine greens and shot plus five. So that was fun. Um, so apparently I need to work on my digital putting and or hit it closer. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. Uh one guy one putted from 25 feet feet in a bunker. Uh, and I have three putted from 30 feet. So, anyways, that that's another rant for another time. But uh yeah, so I I do have big plans for the range. Uh, there's no longer a good excuse. I think I need a lesson. I think I need a really good one. Yeah. I I've enjoyed mine and I've enjoyed exploring why I'm not good at golf. <laughs> um, that's such a funny thing to say uh, well it's true i mean i have my moments but um I've, I've really enjoyed exploring what makes me suck as bad as i do okay so i'm going to try to reverse that and take these lessons to heart and and do something about it okay 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 i think you should too i think you i, I think the people the people want to follow this journey of yours Okay. Do I need like uh do I need to like finally take the dive and go do one of these golf tech evaluations? Oh, you'd you'd really like a swing evaluation whether yeah. you, you do lesson package or not. I think you would because I think it's pretty cool to see um where you are because you are a very good golfer and I made much less good golfer. But you have 12 really 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 good golf swings. And then the driver swing is totally different. Is Michael so, Verska paying you off to say this? No, 
<laughs> but um, I would like to see that the evaluation part between on those two different swings, not really of one getting better or worse. Okay. Just, just on that, I think it'd be cool as hell because it's, there's video involved. Yeah. And I'd have to admit to things that I don't want to admit to. So, okay. Yeah. That sounds horrible. I'm curious about that. All right. What else do you got for yeah. me? That's it. That's what I wanted to wrap it up with. Okay. I mean, we've been talking cool. for like six hours. I feel like. It's been about an hour. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, I believe I'll, I'll be back to, some more regularly scheduled industry folks on the show coming up. Basically what he's saying is that he will have better guests next week. I was filling in. uh, Well, I think, I think these weeks are much needed. It's fun to talk about golf in a, in a way that I can actually understand what's being said back to me most of the time. So uh, either way, (laughs) either way, I really enjoyed having you on. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that the PGA show is making a bit of a comeback. It seems like, every year was starting to become more of a reunion than a revigoration reinvigoration. Um, but it seems like this year is pretty good. So, so thanks for taking us along for that ride and, um, and everyone else. I, I look forward to bringing you big stories, big conversations for the rest of 24. Josh, anything final? I really don't. I, I enjoyed this conversation. I look forward to the feedback that people have on PGA tour enterprises in the forum thread. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be a hairy one. Um, I'm playing golf this weekend. I think I've got nine holes scheduled for Saturday. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be, uh, an emotional ride seeing where the swing is. (laughs) But, uh, if you are playing golf this week, have fun, make it count. And I'll see you guys next week. THP radio on the hackers paradise podcast network. Your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.